0: Every person has a story, but not everyone has a place to tell it. I'm Frank Swoboda. I've interviewed amazing people all over the planet. I want you to meet them. This week, the most
1: interesting person you've never heard of is... Hi, I'm Gavin Cooley. I'm the most interesting person you've never heard of because I survived serving six consecutive mayors. uh, And uh, I'm still here to talk about it.
0: Gavin Cooley, welcome to the MIP podcast and thanks for being the most interesting cfo i've ever met is that saying much
1: that's not saying a whole lot I mean, let's <laughs> go on the street and ask everybody on the street how many cfo's they can name in 30 seconds or less I mean, a dead silence <laughs> the cfo top 10 top 10, CFOs. Top 10 coolest
0: cfo's ever yeah, right. uh, you're also uh the second guest i've had on here that has wrangled my chickens Our a, very first requisite well not necessarily, but I, my very first guest was Jeff Crawford, who lives across the street. He also is a, an occasional chicken wrangler, but you do wrangle my chickens. Is this true?
1: Well, on the first night I had them, I got there early, and that's when I learned that, you know, if you get there early, then they're not ready to go in. And so oh, I God. found my way under your front porch, your back porch, because it, it doesn't open on the other side. Right. 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 And so one of those guys got to the other side, and then in the meantime, it had gotten dark. And did not know how to get out, so I had to crawl all the way across and grab a hold of him because or her because she couldn't see or whatever. It's a her. Their hands. They're laying and hauler all the way back to the hole again. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody knows the under. You were chasing chickens. You were like Rocky.
0: You were. She were. Well, I do. You do get a a payment though, right? Correct.
1: Every every day, I have an omelet with like (laughs) yolks that are dark yellow, and then. The last They're day great I eggs. only had really three are. eggs. I wanted four. So I did three dark yellow eggs from your chickens. And then the fourth egg was from wherever I got that egg. It's like this pale... It is amazing, isn't it's it? It's amazing. What, what we do.
0: put up with in our food world. <laughs> I know. When, and then when you have real... You know, you know, eggs that morning or the night before. That's when I uh,
1: started talking to Katie about getting chickens. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we can go to your house every day and steal them. You, with that. you should,
0: <laughs> and you do virtually right, all the time. Exactly. Whenever I'm not there, Gavin takes care of my chickens, so I appreciate that. Um, we're, you know, we're obviously going to talk about this big project that you and I've been working on the last god six months a year or something like that's it been a yeah. while eight, several months yeah uh called housing and help which is a, a project right. we're very proud of uh, um about the homeless dealing with the homeless issue right here in spokane but really kind of everywhere i mean yeah. it's it's this applies uh, it applies, exciting, it applies yeah. to everywhere before that i kind of wanted to just talk about your backstory and and you know how you got to do what you're doing i think the first time we met was probably at one of my halloween parties. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which, with, which were you with Dolly Parton? at that I time? was with Dolly. Dolly Parton was. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, that. that. yeah, yeah. That was pretty epic. I know uh, you. I remember you walking in, going, "What is this? What is going on here?" That was that was a
1: good party. That was a great party. I've seen you in full on entertainment mode a couple times. You you got you got pipes. <laughs> 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 That's true. You didn't
0: see me sing karaoke. I'm, I'm so sorry about that, but it happened. Um, you also crashed our Julia Sweeney podcast. Thank you very much. Right, right. Which you know by now, when people see this, will have aired. Um, and I think we had to cut out everything. You came in and sort of crashed that, and we look back at it and we're like, I don't think we can say show any of this stuff. Any of that. Stuff. <laughs>
1: none, of, none of it was. Well, I, I went to high school with Julia, so yeah. Right. As you and my explain, sister Georgia. Yeah, you went right. to high school exactly. with. Exactly. And I still, I'm,
0: I am, I, uh, we have not yet, when we're recording this, we will not yet run Julia's podcast. But the, you know, when you get done with a podcast and you're hosting one, what I've learned is you forget stuff. Like, God dang it, why didn't I ask, you know? And the yeah. one thing yeah. I forgot with Julia, I, a couple of things I forgot, was I never mentioned my sister Georgia, who is the only reason I know her. Right, right. <laughs> so Georgia, I'm sorry, Big this is thing. my chance to tell you absolutely. at least i have gavin on you know that's right but um hi georgia <laughs> there <laughs> you. Remember, she'll love yes. this she will she'll absolutely love this it's true i don't um, see
1: her like in a month we're we're doing our 45 year oh yeah, yeah. Prep. right so, so they'll both
0: be there probably right, i don't know if julia's yeah. coming but she well, no, we're not, who but, knows but man she was great isn't she fantastic uh,
1: oh, she I, just you walk out of the room feeling better about the world she's she's got she's got some talents yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, beyond just what she does, I mean, there's something that you just see life differently. She makes everything seem, you know, seem funny and compelling. Right, well,
0: to her it is. Yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of, a it's a special gift she, that yeah, she's got. it's amazing. So, so you, you really were, I mean, your biggest job that you've had in your life was the CFO of the city.
1: Right, right. So
0: for 18 years, you were the chief financial officer of Spokane for the city of Spokane. Yeah. Six different mayors. Yeah. I've always the thing I've always admired about you is that you survived six different administrations, right. three Republican, three Democrat. I think everybody that knows you th- knows you to be incredibly, um, you know, sort of always always trying to be in the middle of of what's right on either side. Speak to your mind, have an integrity, um, and and it's what drew me to you helping us with this project, really. But what was that experience like of? Of you know coming into that role and, and how did you stay? I'm sure you thought about leaving every couple of years.
1: <laughs> well, you do. I mean, you for sure. Um, I started with the strong mayor form of system. Uh, you know, we started the strong mayor form of government in 2001. Before that, it was kind of a council manager form of government. It was a so, city manager, right? Yeah, and so the you know the you What's the mayor, difference? but that's well, the mayor is really just a figurehead, and you know um, the city manager is really running the city. But in the strong mayor, it's the mayor is truly the CEO and so it's it's really important it's a big job and so you're really putting a lot on it when you elect somebody to that position um leading up to that I had been with Friends of the Falls and we had actually sued the city to stop the Lincoln Street bridge so that my first involvement with you know direct involvement with the city was suing them because we were going to put this bridge right over the falls
0: oh i remember this
1: yeah i mean <clears throat> it just stunned Ludicrous. the senses like are you kidding me we got a lot of grants and um, we bought the property where um, Anthony's is now uh-huh. uh, on the one end and the other end was where the public library is now and it would have gone right over the falls you know or so it would have gone <laughs> right
0: would have gone right down Monroe or before you turn into Monroe right by the, where the where the library is downtown now yep you just keep going over the bridge and it goes right to where Anthony's is
1: yeah and it would go and it'd be wider than the Monroe Street bridge and right over the falls. so you'd You know, the the argument was, well, you know, that's not going to detract from the aesthetics of the falls. And you try to kind of go through your mind and think of anything interesting you've ever seen in the world that's actually under a bridge. (laughs) 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 Maybe a basketball court or a pickleball court. Uh, A troll. (laughs) The trolls. Yeah, 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 right. Those are cool, actually. Yeah, and so it was kind of a no-brainer, but you know, we almost lost that lawsuit. All the um, arguments we made around environments, or um, I mean, we had a lot of legal arguments. But the one that finally held up was the city couldn't show they actually needed it. So they were using federal funds for a project where they couldn't demonstrate with traffic counts that it was needed. Wow! And it was what what year would that have been? Do you remember that was? uh, About 2000, and well, it would have been um, 99, 2000, right in there. And uh, yeah, so that's when we won the lawsuit. And then John Powers was in that group also, and he became the first strong mayor. And then into his term got a call that they were looking to switch, almost like the strong mayor form of government. They'd really never had a CFO. They had um, a finance director and it was kind of more low key. Hmm. And so they're trying to run more like a corporation. You got a CEO now, you got a CFO, and and, and trying to adopt that approach. And so I think I applied with like 50 other people and um, actually got number two but the number 1 guy from the west side declined and so
0: they always picked the a guy from the west side. I know. What is that?
1: I like being number 2. Number 2 is good for me. Yeah. <laughs> number <laughs> two's really 2 is really good for me to me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when did you start start rocking the bow tie? Cuz I I remember you also always wearing bow ties.
1: I always, you know, the <laughs> I don't even know why. Maybe it's a Catholic school thing or something. Like, probably started when I got confirmed in eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> Never stopped. It's Explains a lot of my problems all in college. <laughs> Playing right. basketball, you wear a bow tie. <laughs> Give me a lot Camping, you wear yeah. a bow tie. <laughs> but I, um, I always wore one on Fridays, probably for about twenty or thirty years, I guess. And
0: wow, well, I just remember the other time I remember being with you was when uh, David Connor was mayor. Yeah, and. Uh, he and Ben Stuckert gave a presentation together, a small group of like 30 business people I got invited to somehow, I don't know. And it was, a, it was right... I remember it was right when they had sort of um, legalized weed. <laughs> because... At the end of the meeting, it was kind of this conversation about like, hey, uh, how you guys look? What do you think of the weed thing? You know, <laughs> all right, these business right. guys yeah. and all the all the developers or the people that own real estate guys were like, it's great, man. <laughs> all these <laughs> little post offices and small little things I never had before. I'm renting them out now. You know, right, and right. we're like, hey, well, that's good. You know, maybe this is good for the economy. And sort of became this. Oh, you should never do that. Too. I mean, I think staunch people that were against it were suddenly like, wait a minute, economically, not a bad move. You know, that right, that right. was part of that conversation. But I remember. Yeah, yeah. You, I walked in and you're like, hey, come sit next to me.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: right here. Come here. Same so we, spot. We sat down and we're just mumbling back and stuff. And Ben and, and David were doing this presentation all about right. the East, you know, it was sort of bo- boring stuff to people, but now it's had an impact, like most of the things that you guys worked on. It doesn't seem sexy, but later on you're like, holy crap East Sprague is way better now yeah. because yeah. of that sort of, um, I think it was the tip um, right you know, zoning project that they were talking about, like, hey, if we can give incentive to businesses to move on on to Sprague, you know, down there by Napa, and, you know, then it it could revitalize that where Benedito's Pizza is now. You know, a lot of stuff has happened down there.
1: Frank, it's amazing. I mean, to be in local government and probably all government, you just have to have a really high tolerance for not sexy. (laughs) I mean, it just generally isn't. But, you know, and that's such a great example. Both North Monroe and East Sprague, we did that. And there was so much pushback i mean I bet. you've seldom seen people more angry i mean you're kind of threatening <clears throat> livelihoods and people don't believe it's going to help and and it was really interesting because i was able to isolate the well sales and in some tax. cases
0: they have to survive a, a time when they're they're shut down I oh mean, it's, it's it's real, real stuff I mean, yeah
1: and you really have to believe in the you know that somehow this is going to bring a benefit but mm-hmm. i was able to track sales tax on both of those projects before and after and so really? within about eight months they had gotten back to where they were previous to the constructions, and within about a year, they were way past it. Seriously, so it paid for itself, and then some. Oh yeah, it, it for anybody that was able to get through it. But you're right; there was hurdles. I mean, it was a tough go. And some people probably didn't were, make it. Probably, yeah. So there's reason to complain. But yeah, it's been such a win. The sales. I mean, if the sales tax is a good indication, if the amount of commerce and certainly the aesthetics, it looks completely different.
0: Well, and I, I sat there and I was watching these two, you know, David and ben, and Ben Stuckert, who are really. Opposed. I mean, they're you know, one's city council president, the other one's the mayor. One's yeah. right, one's left, but but they really, in a lot of ways, are uh, respect each other a ton. They're they're as smart as the other one is, you know, and they're both wicked smart. I mean, two of the smartest yeah. people I've yeah. ever been around. I know you probably agree with that, and. And they were great together. They were kind of when they were pitching it together, even teasing each other a little bit. I was like, "These guys are great." I go. I remember leaning over you, going, "They're like Bing Crosby and Bob Hope. You know, they're like Hope and Crosby. Like, you don't want anybody to know he's my buddy, but." they're good together, you know, whether yeah, you, yeah. whether you like it or not, they're teasing each other and ribbing each other, but the, you kind of can't get through it without them. And you're yeah. like, Oh, please go tell them that.
1: <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, Well, they had remarkably different styles. And I think sometimes, and they believe a lot of things they believe very
0: differently for sure. Oh,
1: and they had different opinions on certain things, but I think at the end of the day, they, their styles were so different that at times it created a lot of alienation. I mean, they actually weren't talking to each other quite often. Mm.
0: But well I can see that. I mean anybody you work with for eight years happens. Yeah, know, like, I mean
1: they are a check and balance, you know right. system. For and sure. so people get sick of being checked, you know. Right, right, right. And, <laughs> and now I think they
0: talk because they're not working together anymore. Yeah, probably right, sure. Right.
1: But at the end of the day the, I think what made that combination so successful is even when they weren't talking, they allowed conversation to happen. So sometimes you just get a wall going up between the legislative mm. and executive branch, but in the case of in that case, the the conversation was as strong as it ever was. I mean, you'd be sitting at a kitchen cabinet meeting on Friday morning, you'd have something important that needed to move forward. And if we were in one of those times and those conversations weren't happening, they would just send the people out that were talking to Ben and you'd walk straight out of the mayor's office uh, over 30 feet you know to the west side of the building and you'd walk into Ben's office and you'd have the conversation and so it was really just shuttle diplomacy quite often which was very effective and you know it was almost as good as doing it jointly right right yeah. well and
0: they're they're both proud dudes and yeah and strong opinions what they good at what they were doing but when they when they uh, you know I asked this I, told, I think I, I don't know which one I asked this about but I asked them about the other one, like you guys were great together like well you know I have to when I look back at all the stuff that we did maybe you're the one who said this yeah. when we look back at all the stuff they do all the stuff they did together was amazing oh, and and has amazing. all stuck and has all been phenomenal yeah. and they honestly they were caught up sort of in that that whole world of of you know this whole country being sort of torn apart too on either side politically so right, right. you know they i admire both of them because i thought they they really made it through that. I don't know anything. I'm just seeing it from the outside, but you were there every day. And so Yeah,
1: yeah. no, there, a lot got done. I mean, just that, you know, that was the first time a we lot got reelected done, yeah. a mayor since uh, like 75, I think Dave Rogers, uh, just right there at Expo, was the last time we'd reelected somebody. and To a second term. To a second term. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, and I don't think people <clears throat> wow. realize the start and stop, because if you elect somebody new, the expectation is they're going to make a lot of change. That's kind of like, why else would you elect somebody new? So the new mayors come in with a strong feeling that I need to do something different than the prior administration. And of course. They do. But as a practical matter, imagine being in your business, you know, and then at the end of every, well, for quite a while, we had like two and three year terms. Powers was three years. West because of the problems was only two years. How do you get and, anything done? Yeah, and then and then bam, you go on to a new administration who wants to do things completely different. And of course, about the time you get the foundation built, it's time to go at it again. So to f- have an eight-year run where we could build a lot of continuity into these really big projects, I mean, um, take take the Spokane River. I and mean, we all love the Spokane River we're talking about that bridge. So we didn't build the bridge. And then think of the things that happened, the uh, uh, integrated clean water plan that we came up with, which was completely novel. We had to challenge both Department of Ecology and the EPA because they were insisting we do it differently. We found a way to do it differently and get way more affluent out of the river and save 150 million dollars and so 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 explain that so well we're dumping on average 60 or 80 million gallons of affluent into the Spokane River annually so what is affluent that's sewer that that's a
0: really nice way to say yeah crap. yeah
1: I can't believe you made me say that <laughs> yeah he said what affluent was I thought I wasn't allowed to say sewer on your podcast um wow. yeah so all the old. Wait, city- wait 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 how long did
0: that go on?
1: Well forever because all the old cities they basically I mean if you think about it you've got this this piping that leads down to the treatment plant. Uh-huh, and the treatment yeah. Plant-, yeah, plant. Yeah and, and of course that's what makes it okay to, you know once they go through the treatment it gets back in the river. Then it's fine. And it only has so much volume and so what happens is oh. in every city in the country, old, older city in the country you get a rain event and the whole system Overload. So it's
0: fine until there's a rain event, and then it overflows, and that water just all, all of that affluent it, yeah. goes into could, the river. You
1: could go to a bunch of locations on the river after any rainstorm, and you'd like under the Monroe Street Bridge, and you'd see, you know, hundreds. I mean, just <laughs> water flowing into the river, and it's a combination of the storm water that you see draining off the streets, primarily any wow. of the impermeable surfaces, and but we just drive over every day and kind of don't notice. Yeah. But if you're down kayaking or something after a rain event, which you just didn't do in those days. No, you, you did, did notice.
0: Yeah. So you guys got well, together and.
1: Well, we created underground tanks. So basically, when you had that overflow, you could go into these tanks, it would store mm-hmm. the water, and then you would meter it into the system as you were able to process it. So, for an example, everybody sees that new park on Spokane Falls Boulevard just as you approach the Monroe Street Bridge uh, heading west.
0: Kind of, about, kind of about the the library there.
1: Yeah, the, just across street from the library, exactly. And you see this new outlook over the river. Yeah, which that is really beautiful. cool
0: embankment and the and all the landscaping yeah. and everything.
1: Wonderful park. Beautiful Underneath park. that is a two and a half million gallon tank that captures all the water that normally flowed out into the river below the Monroe Street Bridge. Gets into that tank, and then it's got computerized controls that then, when you're able to process wow. it down at the treatment plant. Or, you know, your alternative is to expand the capacity of the treatment plant, you know, by five fold or whatever it would take. And that would cost you a billion dollars or more. I mean, you can't afford it. So what it's you affordable. do is you store it and then you just keep the during the days that follow. You meter it in. So we've got I think about you, you leak it into the, into it the, into the right
0: system. system so that it, 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 on, the, on the days like today when it's sunny and nice, you, you get it back to normal. It,
1: the plant's still working and processing the effluent. And, and from what I remember
0: about that, because I did remember reading about it going, this is really smart. The, instead of having one big central place where that is, you did smaller tanks. It saved millions of dollars for the city. Do I have that
1: right? You got it exactly right. We had, I think we had 20-some outfalls, maybe 24. And both regulatory agencies, the state and federal, it required that we reduce that by X percent and that we could only have one outflow, I think, twice a year. We could have an outflow twice a year on each one. And we looked at that and we said, that makes no sense because some of these are really small. So what if we really tackle the big ones like Monroe Street and make a really big tank? And we have really tried to have no outflows on some of the really important ones. And, uh, and then mm-hmm. some of the smaller ones just ignore it for now. And, and so or do a really small overflow capacity. And so what ended up happening is we really focused on the big ones, spent the money there, which did not abide by the regs, and we got into real problems with that. But the end result was we removed way more affluent from the river than the other approach that they tried to force us to do. So that's leadership. Yeah. When you're like, no,
0: this is the right thing long term, yeah. and you still got to fight for it. And, and then I saved about 50
1: million bucks, and the effect of that was wow. people's water—you know—their water bills were going up double digits, and were projected to go up double digits for years to come. And we, from that point forward, held it 2.9% per year, which was the wow. average inflation for the last 50 years. And then we've been holding it 2.9% ever since. So people are saving hundreds of dollars, you know. Uh, and the river's
0: clean. Yeah, and the river's clean. And not sexy to yeah, explain. That's, back incredibly to not incredibly sexy. difficult to explain. So not sexy. So but, not sexy, but that's some of the stuff you guys got. Well, to if
1: you were at that, another one of the tanks is down there. What's the name of that um, brewery that's on uh, Adams, just across from the... Um, Oh, down on the First. And, yeah, the rocket yeah. down on There's First and Cedar. Another big tank there. Also, right, right. so they were That was kind yeah. of a sexy Carnegie Library because we got spot down there. Cool parks. Yeah. on top of these tanks. See, and nobody knows
0: about the tanks. That is really, that is really cool. You got to be proud of that. Yeah,
1: that well, that, and there was so many projects like that. But we've got, you know, they got the podium, you know, and the um, yeah. we're going to get that Coliseum downtown. That was, right. Uh, we were one of the first cities in the country to say to the school district you know we um I won't get into all the details but there was a change of state law that allowed us to go out with a really big bond issue 460 million that really got the school system back on track with all their infrastructure mm-hmm. and the things they're doing and the city handed them a lot of property and that was unheard of cuz that's the was city's that, property Was that part of the bond
0: issue that passed with the roads right. and bonds? I did that campaign. Yeah. to get it to Remember get them both we passed at giving... the same time which I thought was really smart I'm like hey we're going to run roads and the bond issue for the schools both at the same time. Who doesn't want the roads fixed? And and, and and it was the first time that it passed, like, forever across the board. And did both. And did yeah, both. there was that one and then the this a different one, one? Oh, that okay. was even bigger one. That's what I worked on. That.
1: And we did the, and we gave them property for the dog park up in the south. Right on. Up in Moran, And we gave them the property out of the foothills. But, yeah, we just, we handed it because we just said, look, nobody cares whether the city owns property or whether the school district. Nobody old. cares. To them, you know. It's None of sexy. us care. Yeah, so we handed it to them and allowed them to do a whole lot more than they could have done with that $460 million. So, wow. I mean, there's just one kind of non-sexy project like that after another. But that
0: does speak to eight years of continuous government where a couple of people are, you know, those, those two really were, were helping to run that with, you know, kind of a consistent thing rather than having to right. change gears every five right. exactly minutes. Right. Yep. And how, do you, how does anybody get anything done when you do that?
1: You just don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just don't. What? what uh, throughout all that, um, what do you think you learned?
1: Well, the if, if everybody, we've talked about this with the housing and help. If if you can get people to work together and collaborate and also think together, because there's a lot of things you normally do. Like cities don't take a risk. They, they're designed not to take risk. They put money in separate buckets. The buckets don't talk to each other. So you have to kind of come up with really creative ways to have say the utility division talk to the parks because parks is over in the, something called the they're General designed World not to what to even talk to each other they're like separate <laughs> silos Why? like by law i'm not allowed to work with you kind of thing and so okay you know so we found ways so people can to stay stand, on their own turf and not get bugged yeah and and so ratepayer dollars for the utility stay right over there even though you can demonstrate that for the ratepayers on the utilities it makes a ton of sense for instance to put permeable roads down so that you don't have the water all going to the treatment plant, because then you don't have to expand the treatment plant. And so, yeah, yeah, so then like, hey, you know, how about if we use utility dollars to build some streets? Well, that's illegal. And so we really had to bend over backwards to show that we could make it cheaper for the utilities to help with the roads and create those permeable surfaces. And at the same time solve a roads problem, which is in another part of the city government that normally couldn't talk to the utilities. Wow. So you end up with better streets and a better utility function. When people talk and lower rates.
0: When they think together.
1: When they talk and they think together. The it's amazing the thing, that one thing we don't think we have enough of ever is money. And it ends up never being the problem. We once you get people talking and collaborating and kind of you know working together and the silos come down. You find ways to do it you always find a way to get there and and maybe the other thing that you have to really focus on is just the power of reverse engineering because we want to plan everything you know and and kind of go through this process you know where we all stick those yellow dots and blue dots and green dots on what we like and don't like and red (laughs) dots and the things we don't like and you know and to go through this planning process but in reality, sometimes you just have to sit down and you know say this this is going to make sense and we're gonna let's go I on. want this done by this date <clears throat> and and that's and with no different than the
0: stuff that uh, every project we work on we're like okay yeah you do it all the time we're doing it right now right with this, yeah. event, this is going to premiere on this day let's right? back up to, and do all the things we got to do to get that to happen government doesn't do that
1: it's always a moving right. target totally because we're all, gonna, how
0: would you otherwise option yeah we're going to hold
1: even... another charrette invite another couple hundred people down there to give them their diverse opinions and and then somehow shift gear again and then you end up with projects that never even get done because once you got that many you're going in 50 different directions and they just don't happen when you have that
0: well of- and it's always drove me crazy and I've talked about this probably on the podcast at some point but you know as a story guy and an ad guy and a marketing guy and a you know video producer to me it's I, I hear things like this that are you know really really valuable things that a, a lot of key people that are in positions of leadership all color us around and think it's a great thing and they don't bother to tell the rest of us exactly what the hell they're doing or, or, or explain it to us so that we get behind it and support it. Right. Because they, they never find in terms of resources, they never ever invest in, we should invest in telling everybody about this right, so that right. we have buy-in and, and it works. There, I, you know, it's like I've seen all the, you know, tons of these sort of really cool initiatives or ideas that come out and no one's ever telling all of us in the public spending any money or any effort to right. actually run a coordinated campaign, so that Just we explaining. understand what it is.
1: Yeah, because I think most they don't people don't think it matters,
0: it. right? I guess. Yeah, but I they mean, die halfway through. They die because nobody knows what they're talking about.
1: Nobody, yeah, nobody knows, and people get frustrated because it's all behind the veil somehow. Like. We were a triple B-rated community when I came in in 2003. Triple B-rated. Yeah, which means like Standard and Poor's and Moody's. It's just the city's credit rating, the same thing that large companies get. They get okay. these ratings. How right. you rate yeah. their bonds, yes. their debt, and triple B is borderline junk status. Wow. So you what know? year would this have been? Uh, 2000, 2003.
0: We were at triple B in triple 2003. Th- yeah. And it. Was Did you 30- have a T-shirt that said "Triple B in yeah. 2003"? I want to make one.
1: <don't> <laughs> Triple B and O3. Yes. For that. <laughs> yeah. There's only one way to go from here. <laughs> and hopefully it's not down. Because yeah, junk status is when you drop below the triple B. What happens then? Well, I don't want to you get You just into pay that. a ton of interest for any indebtedness. Oh. So anytime you go to build out a street project or anything else, you just can't afford it. And, Beyond that, it kind of just and stuff goes in disrepair. Yeah, it goes in disrepair, and it just kills the city's reputation because businesses know that you're just a poorly run community. If if businesses can't depend on what government is going to do tomorrow, because businesses all depend on what you know a a stable environment that they can work in, right? And if you can't assure them of that, it just kills, you know, large companies look at a city and say, yeah, they haven't reelected a mayor in 50 years. I'm I'm not relocating there. Yeah, forget it. We can't rely on the infrastructure that we need. We can't rely on thinking they're going to have good streets. The streets are going to be plowed. They're going to have adequate law enforcement. Right. All the things they depend on to conduct business. Wow.
0: So then from there, 18 years later, you end up with... Double
1: A, you know, and it's six notches up and you... But it kind of gets back to what you were saying about stories. That's amazing. It's just like our credit. It's what everybody else is doing at home anyway. There's nothing complicated about <laughs> it. Balance your budgets. <laughs> Don't spend more than you take in. Um, one thing government does big time is they get a one-time windfall, and then they embed it in the budget, so it's an ongoing expenditure. I mean, who does that at home? If if you won ten thousand dollars tomorrow, you know, tonight at the casino, you go out and you win ten thousand bucks you might go out and spend that 10,000 bucks, but you wouldn't spend, you wouldn't go out and take on a mortgage that was $10,000 more per year. Cause you'd know I'd be good for right. one year and from right. then on out I'm in deep trouble. Wow! <laughs> but they do that all the time. So it's crazy. Yeah. And that's the real, and so you end up with these things called structural gaps and you lose your credit rating, but cities do that. Cause they do the kind of immediate gratification thing. But you're right. If they told the story, everybody would say, hey, just behave like we do at home. It's right. not hard. What are you doing? Yeah. You doing? But you, yeah. how did you pull that off, you think? Well, I think you just talk about it like you're saying, as best you can. I mean, the, the city council, if you actually talk to the city council, they don't tend, you know, they're not CFO types. That's not, that's not how you get to be on the city council. But if you explain those things, they'll really back you up. And most mayors will also. So,
0: so that was kind of your job, was yeah. to say, hey, here's where we're at. How do, here, here's how we get out of this.
1: This is how we get out and of this. And you we help get out of it that. It and to terms. steer it through
0: six different administrations, yeah. unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just such common sense. You watch the national stage right now where nobody's talking, and you're thinking, how could that be? Because I've never actually met. There's only been a couple people in all those 18 years that I just found it really wasn't worth my while to talk to like literally a couple out of so many you know where hundreds yeah where they were just you know they had a dogma they weren't going to change their minds and so you're just like well i'm not you know whatever their opinion is they're going to stick to it and you can't change it but i'd say 95 percent plus people if you sit down and have a dialogue they can talk they can convince you of things you can convince them of things you work together and you and you and you move forward and, and I think you've, tra- you know, one
0: of the roles that that has allowed you to be is sort of non-political, right? Because it's not a political position. So you're yeah. able to sort of be, tell the truth to anybody on either side. Well, I, think. I
1: think so. It, it ends up being a political, it's a In political it, appointment. Mean, yeah. And then, I mean, I, I think I've only... What's one for vote us. on the council. I remember uh, Steve Eugster was kind of hanging there. And at the last minute, he kind of went pro. But I, I got appointed on a 4-3 vote at the council. You know? Okay. So, yeah, it, And then, of course, every single time there was a new mayor, I was making sure I had another job opportunity. Because you, know? <laughs> you just never <laughs> did knew. Did you it. almost leave? Where did you almost leave to? Um, a couple times, I was almost out the door. I was uh, interviewing at Microsoft when Conning came on wow and yeah and you know and that was looking at moving to seattle the yeah it was just um you never know you know i mean you gotta gotta, gotta be ready I, I got a lot of kids i got <laughs> i made some decisions well and right? you're, you're a cfo <laughs> so you've got to
0: have contingencies
1: you got a backup plan <laughs> i had a lot of backup plans and
0: david david wanted you to stay that's pretty cool
1: yeah i think it was it was really funny at first he, he was you know he, he's a funny guy and it, it, you know, he, is, we were, he is
0: funny. He's really, really smart. I think he's super super cool. smart guy he and is. just
1: a good leader. And, but he, Very good leader. He didn't understand some of the, you know, the, there was a lot of mission creep in my job. I, I kind of figured that every single issue has a financial component. So hmm. just as an example, when he arrived, a guy named Rick Romero and I were out looking at jails because they were talking about building a new jail and it was going to be a 200 million plus, and that would be on your property tax. And, and there were questions, A, about, the efficacy of having a, a huge... Because once you add a jail that size, you're adding public defenders and prosecutors and probation people and Right, courts. it isn't just the building. Oh my God, the ongoing expenses, mind-bent. Really? And the law enforcement... Well, there's a built. story nobody knows. Yeah, I mean, or even just sometime going on a ride-along with a police officer and then when you decide to take somebody in, that like blows the shift. You know, you basically, you've got them in the back seat, you drive in, you do all this processing. For the day. Yeah, I mean, it's... <clears throat> yeah, and in so many ways, you want to avoid... Except you know, there's cases we have to. But adding this huge new jail, and so what we did was we drove around and talked to all the other jails around the state, and everybody had overbuilt. And so we found we were about 130, 135 bucks a night were the costs here locally to, and, to actually like, ha- ha- to house jail somebody. someone. Yeah, yeah, pretty nice hotel room in those days. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> even now, I mean, even that's... now, yeah, yeah. Especially in Spokane. Yeah. So. Uh, but we found Benton County. Well, we talked to all the jails. I went traveling around for several days, <laughs> hanging out of jails, hanging out. Of jails, what a jails. sexy job! Man. It was a, an interesting few days. <laughs> I bet. But we worked out a deal with Benton County. They had way overbuilt. Tri Cities. So, yep, yeah, Tri Cities, not far, and they gave us fifty-six bucks a night with transportation. And, and automatic 56 bucks so way less than half the amount we were with an above. uber driver yeah right right <laughs> send somebody in every morning you know and then show up and and they had video Shuttle conferencing bus. and all these things to make it work. sure yeah wow. but how but much yeah. did that save yeah well it would have saved in our bill alone millions just on the spokane city side and a lot of its county wow. valley etc so an annual appropriation so smart and that was just against the bill that we were getting from the existing jail if we would have had the new jail there would have been this huge and, and even income. better
0: for benton county too because they're like hey now we're filling totally. and what yeah, a way had to win wow we kind
1: of thought it wouldn't happen it was a threat that you know look you go ahead and launch that voter initiative for the new jail um but if the city of spokane is saying no we can do it for less than half the cost we figured it would torpedo it and it did but getting back to Condon, he was like, I remember there must have been a dozen meetings with this happening. He goes, I don't get why my CFO is out looking at jails. I was like, God, what's, what the hell's going on in this place? You know, and, and there are other examples like Yeah, but, I mean, that sounds good. But he he, ultimately, he's the guy sending me out on weird missions to do different things because, you know, you really need to find out information. Yeah, you had a city attorney also, Mike Ormsby and uh, Rick Romero and Teresa Sanders, the city administrator. But, we were all doing things that you wouldn't normally think they would, you know, everybody is all hands. It's kind of like a small business where you're involved in everything. Wow. And if a CFO needs to go visit jails, that's exactly what you do. And you, get you just done. do what you gotta do. No yeah. different than my business. Like, I'll, yeah, I'll go do yeah. it if I have to. That's really interesting. He was great that way.
0: So when you, when you retire from the city, which was not that long ago, right? Three yeah, years, just a couple, couple, years, ago, couple yeah. years ago, uh, you did exactly what I would not have done. You, you went and hiked the Pacific Crest Trail.
1: <laughs> well, you still got a lot of your time to think about it, Frank. No. Don't say no. I, <laughs> cheers. Yeah, right. There's the answer. I'm not
0: going to hike the Pacific Crest Trail, ever. I'll,
1: I'll start bugging you about it in about 10 years. And...
0: I mean... I'd probably last a, a week, maybe. I think I could do a week. Well, I wanted You took your family with you though for a I while. I want to
1: do. I want to do my the whole thing when I'm seventy plus. So that'd be about. I'm gonna be bugging But then you're retired. Almost nobody's done it after seventy. Get out of here. So That's my long term. Oh, you're only
0: two years away. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Six months. <laughs> you're I gotta, I gotta, I gotta what are you doing here? here? Yeah, right. I gotta go. <laughs> I got some training to do.
0: <laughs> so that that is just explain to people who don't know what this is because yeah. it's re, it's unbelievable.
1: It's a cool thing. The Pacific Crest Trail is about 2,600 miles. It goes from a place uh, Campo, Mexico, which is about 60 miles east of San Diego, and then you into just, Mexico actually. Uh, right on the border. Right, just on the, just, on the just south of the this Mexican border, border f- fence. Yeah. And so you don't actually get into Mexico because I actually did build up the fence right there, the wall. Oh. <laughs> I was kind of excited to you know, kind of say I started in Mexico, but I couldn't get my foot on the other side of that wall. <laughs> uh, I was afraid if I tried, something bad might happen. Hey, but, you're probably right. Yeah. But you it goes all the way up then into Canada. And uh, that was a- Unbelievable. Last year was a weird year. There were tons of fires and it was uh, still in the COVID thing. And so there were all kinds of uncertainties. I didn't even know if they would hold it, but I'd really gotten my heart set on it. They decided to do the lottery on the people they allow to do it. you got to apply for it. Really? Yeah. But, yeah, for a guy like me that didn't hike much, in fact, I've never probably ever hiked more than 10 miles in my life, and that was like once maybe, or camped very much. I mean, you know, and so it was. And you are wearing bow ties every day. Yeah, and I wore a bow tie on the trail every day. (laughs) Here's that guy again. Give him some room. <laughs> I'm going weird hit off that guy. Yeah, and and so it's, um, what I was hoping was to do the whole thing, but I had a daughter getting married and other things going on, so I got recalled, as people in large families often do, but yeah. most of California, about 1,300 miles, and it's astonishing because you go through this desert section uh, at first, and real huge lack of water so you, you get this you work really hard to get your backpack down from like the normal 30 40 pounds if you're heading out long term down to like 15 or 17 you're wow. just down bare minimum but all of a sudden you're lugging like seven liters of water and five days of food and all of a sudden your pack is back up, back up to 40 but you're afraid not to carry that water because it was such a drought year
0: so no one's there. It's a it's a really remote trail. Well, it's so remote,
1: and you're up in the mountains. You you go up through, you come over Mount Jacinto at some point, and drop into the um, um, wow. the valley, the, the desert valley there, and um, um, Palm Springs, and and you head on into the Sierras. And this, I mean, there was days that were right there at zero, and snowstorms, and river crossings, creek crossings, and you know, even the passes, pass after pass after pass are up there over 14,000, right at 14,000 feet. Mount Whitney along the way is higher than Mount Rainier. But wow. a lot of the passes that you have to get over are just about the height of Mount Rainier. And so, you know, for somebody like me, I'm just, and you're doing it in tennis shoes. Because nobody wears hiking boots anymore because you just got to cover so much territory, too heavy. So, you you know, I I was one of the few people that carried my ice axe and a a light form of crampons. But, yeah, you're just and you're kind of shocked by this terrain, which is in the middle of nowhere. And um, what
0: what time of year did you go and. I think I to take
1: left you. on April 1st and I think I got back. Uh, April Fool's
0: Day, how appropriate.
1: <laughs> right, right. I, I, I always There's say March planning. 31st, we were in San Diego on March 31st. I started with my brothers and sisters and we hiked for about 150 miles or so together, which is a ton of fun. That's we a were, lot, that's pretty
0: far yeah. for them to hang with you.
1: Yeah, I mean my sister how many called kids? me Somebody? from REI in Seattle the night before. You know, and, and asked me questions about equipment. You know, she'd never camped. Oh, she'd never yeah. slept in a tent in her life. And she's yeah. going to hike 100 plus miles what the through hell the desert. She I couldn't believe she she did. And she did great. That's my older sister. And so... How many uh, kids
0: in your How many kids?
1: In my family? Yeah. Eight. You have eight in your family? Uh, well, oh, I'm sorry. No, my brother, I've got a uh, brother kids? and two yeah. sisters. Okay. I've got eight kids, uh, you know. Brady uh, Bunch eight kids, yeah. Brady Bunch eight kids. Wow,
0: eight kids you have. No wonder yeah. you stayed on. I didn't CFO bring them. For yeah.
1: They didn't want to go. <laughs> the kids are smart, <laughs> but you have there's five of siblings. Yeah, uh, four, four, four. Uh, yeah, four of us. And so uh, my uh, younger brother, younger sister, and my older sister. Wow. And we were doing the Gonzaga thing. The first night in San Diego, I was at. I think it wasn't UCLA. Who was right before UCLA?
0: Oh, it was during the tournament? Yeah,
1: it was during the tournament. Oh, yeah. So we yeah, landed yeah, yeah. in a bar, watched that game, ecstatic. God, I would forget that. Ecstatic on the UCLA thing. We were in a little um, place in uh, oh, a little cabin we found. Uh, uh, what was that? Um, oh, it'll come to me. But just, uh, just a small well, They were in San Diego when you well, were there? for the first game, oh, yeah, because we
0: flew down there. Oh, and they were playing in San Diego.
1: Uh, no, we were watching in a bar. Oh, it was the Final Four. Yeah. Oh, I was there.
0: Yeah. That was so at the Final Four. It was UCLA. You yeah, were first there. Game. I was actually at the UCLA game. Yeah, so the game right it before was, the Final Four was in UC-
1: San Diego, and then we did UCLA up in the... uh, Oh, uh, oh Mount Laguna. Yeah, oh, wow. You were watching watched the UCLA
0: game there. Well, we
1: watched it there, and when yeah. Suggs dropped that shot... Oh, my gosh. My brother jumped up on the... Um, <laughs> bed and <laughs> like jumped up with it yeah and hit his head through those little styrofoam things and it cost us a 100 bucks damage deposit <laughs> he damaged hit it. It his ceiling care. with his head not even his hands oh my god he probably didn't care at all but that <laughs> no. was that was
0: a surreal moment it i mean that? it was i i've t- i was uh, kevin parker you were there he, i was there yeah oh. and my son nick and i were there and uh kevin parker who i he keeps threatening to come on this podcast someday he will but uh, owner of dutch brothers and amazing guy, he was a former state senator or state yeah, congress- yeah. congressman or yeah. legislator. Yeah. Um He's with, he and his wife right, they sat with us at the games. So we're just, you know, because it was wow. COVID and you're in Indianapolis in this huge arena but there's only like 8,000 people there. Oh, wow. So you, it was restricted seating, you know, because you had to spread out and whatever. It was, you know, COVID. There wasn't yeah. that many people that actually saw that game. So we happened to watch him and, and uh, he, when he jumps up on the table and he points, he's pointing right, right. at us. Oh, you're right. I, we're like, oh my God. And yeah. it was... Kevin and Nick, my son, and Kevin's wife, we all had this experience. He talked to me about this like not long ago. He's like, did the world stop? Like it literally, time stopped. The moment that went in. Yeah, Everyone was, there was a moment of complete Just stillness.
1: Jubilation. Before the jubilation. Oh, even Just a moment of, did frozen that happen? Moment. Frozen moment wow.
0: in time. And I go, yes, I did experience that. We all did. And it was like a—you're not sure that went in. Yeah, collectively, just a uh, time stopped.
1: Yeah, I don't think and then my, my brother's was, head oh my hit God. the ceiling for another two seconds. It's <laughs> like,
0: he made that, you know. And it was just there was a moment of—and maybe it wasn't like that on TV, but in person, that room no, collectively felt felt like a moment of So much of nothing. happened so fast. They so scored the
1: tying basket. Oh, no. oh yeah, and what then a game! Unbelievable here. game.
0: Yeah, unbelievable game. Yeah, the the the—I the, watch that back, and I, you know, we you and I geek out on hoops, but. But the, the inbound pass from Corey Kispert, who, you know, the shot, you saw him makes a shot. Four seconds left. It's over. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought, oh, that's right? it. You know, yeah, forget yeah. it. I mean, you know, and that ball goes in. He gets it to Suggs so quickly. Then he gets a shot. You know, and, and, and just like, oh man, they, I mean, this guy, he, he can, he is, he was, he's got oh. something in him that's special, right? That, that, that's that so cool to watch it evening. from there yeah. with yeah. your family. Mount Laguna, yeah. Wow. So were you, you had already been on the trail?
1: Yeah, we've been on the trail for I think I think it's around 70 60 70 miles in wow. through the desert. Oh, how great. Yeah, the night before we had come just limping into Mount Lagoon. Wow. and they had this And then you were hung over the stand. next morning because you
0: couldn't make it through.
1: Oh no. yeah, just I think we started pretty slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My brother had a headache from Everybody his head in this town, too. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs>
0: wow, that's incredible. So so what was the what was the hardest moment? Did you have any moments where you're like, "I'm in trouble?"
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I think kennedy meadows is kind of where you launch into the sierras and everybody's excited to get there so you're going through this kind of you know up and down and it's all up and down i mean a lot of days you're covering two three thousand feet of elevation change wow so i mean and you know you'll have days where you don't even see people you know you're just it's that remote so you know when you it's just so weird if you're not a camper i mean for many people that do this stuff i mean it's just normal but for any of us that don't do it it's just really weird to be in the middle of nowhere like there's no lights there's no anything there's no bikes allowed on the trail there's no you know it's not like the trails we see where people are mountain bikes or hiking you don't see any other hikers because it's there's there's no remote access like that's too far and then you're just hiking along and then the sun's going down and you stop and you put up a tent and then you know until you get used to that you're kind of every broken branch sound it's you're gonna lay in there you know and you're like something's out there yeah yeah and it's just (laughs) and i remember as i was getting ready i'm like god do people like i'm not a gun guy but do people bring guns on this you know just a little you know you never know
0: yeah and nobody does
1: you know every ounce you're you know you know 0.3 ounces is a big deal and so you don't yeah but it is just weird to be in a place where there were a few times where I was camping like near a creek or something and you'd, all the animals that come down you know all the activity along waterways and you'd hear all you know like a big branch break you,
0: you know think. there's something out something, there something
1: yeah not just something small but something heavy stepped on that there's branch there's a bear out there <laughs> something like that I'm and, loose. and you're kind of laying there you know and thinking oh man you're in this little little tent you know <laughs> you're you do not even have a sleeping bag you have a quilt you know because the sleeping bags <laughs> are too heavy you know right yeah did you freeze no the sleep the new quilts all this new technology it makes oh, it so much man. easier but they're they're like that that was a zero wow. degree rated quilt wow but it only you know the tent itself weighs like i think 13 ounces wow
0: so that must have been an amazing experience to get. Yeah, it that. was. You know, I followed you a little on Facebook and stuff, and, and the po- photos you posted. And I'm just like, what a, that a what a cool thing to do. Yeah, like just what to, a fortunate
1: yeah, and a really privileged thing to do. I mean, to just go disappear for three months. I mean, that was like summer vacation for us. Right. And right. now you're an adult. And you go take three months and just yeah, disappear right. Good from for everybody.
0: you, though. Well, why not? There's only one life. You know, you yeah, got to yeah. you got to do that stuff. You do we, I guess? We you know we talked about that as as we segue into this project called uh, housing and help that we're you and I are putting together with the help of a lot of people um and and you know we use that analogy to sort of start the show um which by the time this airs is probably out so people can go to housing and org and watch this first episode and many more to come um all about sort of the, the problem of homelessness that we're experiencing in Spokane but um uh, I, I I remember just drawing on that experience because I thought you know, so many of so much of what we see when we see the homeless situation here in Spokane and probably everywhere are people in a tent on the side of a road, on you know what would normally be a you know underneath a you know a railroad crossing or mm-hmm. um, somewhere where there's some kind of shelter under a bridge of some kind, um, but but a lot of tents and and as we sit here today, tent city. Uh, just off the freeway, uh, which is now on Washington State Department of Transportation land called uh, Camp Hope mm-hmm. that we filmed at, um, that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, when, when we filmed, which was just about a month ago, mm-hmm. as we taped this, um, uh, it, it was 350 people living in a, one single square block, right? And, and mostly in tents. Pe- felt packed. It felt packed, and there's 500 today, over 500 today. In that one month, it's grown that much um but but we i thought that that was an, an interesting analogy that we used in the show which mm-hmm. was hey you lived in a tent right for three and a half months these guys have lived in a tent but what we were really conscious about was a very different kind of tent and a very different kind of situation both sort of choosing that right. for different re- for many different reasons yeah. um or and, me it, choosing it in
1: many of them obviously that's only the only the last option it's the last option yeah. and
0: and you know the way we, we couch it in the in the show was you had the luxury of as you said privilege the luxury of planning this deciding this GPS you know incredible gear yep. you know all
1: the can you wonderful talk? sleeping pad I mean every I mean I, I was as comfortable as I am when I go to bed at night you know minus the company yeah it's it's so yeah in every way it's it's there's there's nothing, it really has nothing in common and the food I'm eating. You know, it's freeze dried, but it's high tech good food, healthy, really healthy food, and food I can depend on. I've right. got clean water, and the whole bathroom thing is pretty well worked out too. It's a little primitive, but yeah, you know, it's not having to go wandering around in different places. I don't even know how that works when you're, you know, living under a bridge in Spokane. It's right. Like there aren't many public bathrooms. Nope. And I don't even know how that works, but I know a lot of places. If you go in now and want to use their bathroom, you have to get a code because of the homelessness situation. So how does that even work? You know,
0: so how do you describe this project that we're working on when you tell people about it? Because when when I, just a little bit of backstory, um, we're approached by a, a group to kind of put this together on the video side to tell this story, which to me is a real privilege. Like this is, you know, one of the biggest things I've done in my career over 35 years. And, and I'm really proud of what we're putting together and it's changing every day, literally as we work on it. And, um, which is maybe one of the cool parts of it. But, uh, I, I was sort of struggling with how do you tell this? You really need a guide. You know, you need a navigator. is the word that we hear more and more as we talk about this thing. But who's going to navigate this story? Who's going to take us through, you know, stuff that's really heavy and really uh, at times and and really you know head scratchy at times and um, and that everybody has an opinion about it. First of all, eighty percent of everybody that lives in the state, it's the number one issue they're concerned about is homelessness. Yeah, right. We see it yeah. in Spokane much more than we did five years ago, two years ago. Oh. I mean, it's become really noticeable, right? And I just, you know, as we were sort of thinking about who could do this, we talked to a couple of people, and I and struggled with, you know, the climate that we live in right now, who do you trust? You know, who do we trust in this community that would actually tell me the truth about it, you know, that I could watch this sort of, um, and, and think evenly about it, that right. didn't come with an agenda, you know? Yeah. It can't be a politician, so we've been really clear about, there's there will be no elected officials that are literally in this program it's really told by the people that are on the ground that are that know this the best both those experiencing homelessness and those that are kind of dealing with it and and, you know either trying to find a solution or give care um so that was pretty well set i thought that was a really good decision Mm -hmm. but the other one was who could tell it and and You know, we had uh, Ed Burns, who's the guy that's in the first episode, an amazing guy, uh, a social science professor at Eastern. Mm -hmm. We really wanted to focus in episode one on how did we get here? How did this happen? Because when we were kids, we talked about this. Yeah. I remember homelessness. I don't remember this being, I don't remember seeing, you know, once in a while maybe, but it's just progressively gotten more and more visible, right? More and more. Um, And so we brought, Ed really in that first episode talks through, here's kind of how we got here. A lot of things happened. That have, that have gotten us to where we're at and I was talking to him about being kind of a guest on this and, and uh, he said well this is really a money thing you know? a lot about this is really about money I mean it's, it's a money thing I said well good we're going to have an episode on, on sort of the cost of this and how it works and he goes well who's doing that I said well Gavin Cooley's doing that and as soon as I said your name I went Gavin can do it <laughs> he's everybody likes Gavin I trust Gavin everybody knows Gavin they trust him you know the Republicans touched and the Democrats touched him. He survived three democratic mayors three republican mayors you've made it through and people your integrity's intact and I think they believe you and 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 I was just like what are the chances that this guy's going to say yes to that I mean he just finished walking the BCT and I don't know and do you remember when I called you and, and asked you yeah, about that yeah. what 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 did you think of that when I when I asked
1: Well Frank I know you and so it wasn't completely out of context. I mean, you were able to explain things pretty quickly and, and so and just a lot of built in trust in that conversation starting out, but I instantly felt just a lot of gratitude. I mean, I thought, wow, here's a project and I don't know much about homeless. In fact, you know, I'm just like anybody else. I don't, I only know, everybody else knows which is also
0: a real bonus to this because you're just be you're like us you know it needs somebody that's like i I don't know this any more than the people watching this yeah
1: it really i I didn't really emerged as a huge issue just as i was leaving the city and so it just you know i look back and i'm thinking wow it, it was you know we were getting the initial stages of camp hope down at city hall and some protests but it was kind of mixed with the the wall street movement and you know and so it was a little muddled on even as it was for, what, me, it, it, for our eyes. it wasn't clear that this was a long-term issue. And suddenly, we realized, wow, this is this is real, it's huge, and it's going to be... It's, it's not going to leave us for a while. It's not going to leave for a long while. And so, all of a sudden, it, it is this really big issue, and it's one that just tears us apart. I mean, I think, as you're describing, we have these episodes, and we're talking rationally about a problem, just like we talk a lot about a lot of problems, but the Camp Hope episode, and I think we, we I mean, <laughs> even thinking about that, Frank. That will be, yeah, I did sales yeah, right I'm now. I'm getting it's, choked up just yeah, thinking about too. it. me too. It tore us apart. And we had to stop filming several times because the people behind the cameras, myself, you, everybody, it was, and we do all have our opinions about it. And we drive by it every day and we insulate her. I should speak for myself, you know, insulate myself from it. Me too. But there was no insulation that day. And nope. there was nothing about their experience there at camp hope that was anything less human than what you or i experience every day with our with our partners with our kids with our you know our work yeah you know, work yeah these are people just like us going through the most terrible thing you can conceive of it's as humiliating as you could ever imagine it is it's as it's as dehumanizing as one would suspect if we were going through it and just because they're going through it they don't they don't build a, a wall against that they you, you felt that
0: oh yeah i uh you used the word privilege. it was a privilege to be there.
1: It was a privilege, and one that yeah you just I don't know it affected me it's still like I can't talk about it now yeah I, yeah I
0: know and and the, I'm kind of glad that we get to tell the story and put it together. It'll be easier than explaining yeah. it, honestly yeah, because it was we I mean we talked to some people living in you know right there in the corner of 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 that that encampment um amazing couple that wow. you just aren't sure when you drive by there who's there and what's going on yeah, there don't and we don't either. know either we had a right. snapshot of it i mean to be clear mm-hmm. but that i think it was really important for us to like i knew that was coming like you can't not <laughs> do what we can to sort of tell that real human piece of what's going on what is it like to be with the people that are living there or living under any of these bridges what can we show a little glimpse of that? Because otherwise this is really in vain. If you can't do that, you know, there's a lot about it that, that we cover across this thing. Um, but it, you know, I think that was, that was really important for us to be able to kind of go, can we get in there? And it's not easy to get sort of invited in there. We had to do a lot right. of work, you know, kind of ahead of time build some trust and have people that respected us and let us come in you with got cameras. You've this
1: amazing and- team. I think the episode will really take people into the same experience that we had yeah. going there, which, yeah, I think is so important. And, Having done that though, we shift into our gears. You're a media person, you're a storyteller, and and I'm kind of almost a systems person, you know, where having done government for 20 years, you can't help but think in those terms of what you do, you know, in your life. And so it's right back to what we were talking about earlier in this conversation is, you know how you get big projects done, whether it's uh, getting the streets done, or getting the park system done, or getting the school levies, or all these things, and you and it's all about how people interact and work together. And I think we have a huge opportunity, honestly, to be the lead city in America on dealing with this problem. And and I know people hesitate a little bit on that because they're thinking, well, if we, it's not really a, a problem that we can truly grapple with because if we start to resolve it then more people are going to come. But that's one of the myths. We find out that more than 80% of these people are our own people. Yeah,
0: yeah, born born within 70 miles of Spokane, Washington.
1: Yeah, so we're... Or or in Spokane, Washington. Most
0: of them were... Yeah. Most of them, these are our neighbors. These we are our We can
1: family. solve this. And it, you know, it's, it, it won't be like solved on X date and then we walk away from it. It'll be something we work with, I think probably forever. And we have systems in place to deal with it. But we can get to a much, much different place than we are today where these people are having opportunities they're not getting right now. And it's not tearing apart the social fabric of the community because of course it's on both sides. It's tearing apart our downtowns. It's tearing apart, you know, the community in so many different ways. The very, you know, social fabric of the community is coming apart with this particular issue, I think.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, just to kind of walk through it, um, you know, episode one is sort of how do we get here, which was, I think, you know, the hardest episode we'll probably do because it's, you have to really paint a real equal, even picture we fought really hard to have you know it really be sort of non-political. and, and uh, Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs>
1: there goes that. Hold on. Is that uh, warning us we're running out of time? No,
0: or? I don't even know what that is. I honestly don't know. I just must have had a bad... Uh... Oh, no wonder I woke up late this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. That's exactly what happened. i <laughs> like, how come I didn't wake up? Anyway. Yeah, so you, 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 <laughs> you going to get, get up at s- 6 yeah, I this get up morning, this morning. I hit yeah. the p.m. button. Well, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, the... You know, that one was really important just so that people take this seriously and watch it. Is it watchable? You're going to learn something and you're going to want to tune into the next one. I mean, right. th- my job at the end of the day is this has to be a page turner. People are going to want to watch the next show. This yeah. is, you know, this is any, any, you know, sort of episodic TV show, honestly. It has to have those elements or you're not going to pay attention to it. Um, so the second episode is, is Camp Hope, you know. And one of the big things about the first episode is it, it is at that core through all this. is, You're absolutely right. If we don't have agreement, if we have agreement, we can figure this out. Yeah. And you're never going to solve chronic homelessness ever, which I think we're going to talk about in episode two quite a bit, yep. is there will always be a certain amount of people who choose this. And, and, and there's probably no way around it. But there are some things that you can do to nudge them along and to work with them and to try to give them everything, everything you can to get them there, right? Yep. But we're probably going to live with that no matter what. And we probably always have.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's always been more. We've taken a lot of the space away that used to be Correct. where it was hidden. Right. But, but the second episode, you know, back to the production schedule, the, the second episode. Camp Hope. Yeah. Camp Hope. And that's going to, you know, we talked about that, but the third one is of course the one that got me really going because we went down to Houston for the a few days. Third episode. I'm
0: very proud of the title. Yeah, Houston, we have a problem.
1: <laughs> Indeed, which is yeah. true. I love that, and that just gets into policy—you know, policy and how we come together to solve this thing. Why and did we go to I mean, Houston? Houston is the fourth largest metropolitan area in the country, and uh, Houston and Harris County, and they are the one city that has dramatically reduced homelessness and continue to reduce it. There's some cities that have made a great start out of Salt Lake. Actually, was kind of a lead city that- yeah, um, for a while. That Houston modeled after. But you know there's a lot of cities showing some really good ideas and there are great ideas out there. We're seeing them in San Diego, many others, but- Denver, Houston, Denver, for a while. Yep. Houston is the only one um, that has reduced homelessness by about two thirds and they continue to reduce it and they're doing it in ways that they have the
0: lowest per capita pop homeless population of any major city in america in america not even close right. in fact the new york times just did a big expose on it yeah and they were there a week before we like day a day before we were there i think the yeah, two days yeah. before we filmed they were there and basically everybody that they featured in their article we we got the privilege to film
1: yeah. and, and talk to spent a lot of time with all those people right yeah the mayor anise parker and she was the three-term mayor um they inherited the problem and uh she jumped in and threw her full they have a strong mayor form of government like we were talking about and she really threw her political capital behind it blocked and tackled for the people that were doing the work and without getting into all the detail they have they were really sharp about it they moved all the homeless homelessness administration outside the city formed a coalition for homelessness that brought together all the activities and they brought together all the nonprofits and all the Service providers and everybody involved with the homelessness situation were brought under one umbrella over, you know, 100 plus nonprofits and really organized in a way that we were talking about earlier, if everybody figures out what their part is in the system. And, together, and sometimes you got to give some stuff up. You give stuff, yeah. And there were some first nonprofits there that,
0: so there were some mm-hmm. nonprofits that we met that were like, I used to do, we used to do like five things and now we do one thing.
1: Yeah. Tao Costas, yeah. Um, what's the name of her organization? Search. Search, yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, she was great describing how she really didn't trust, you know, you know going in and opening up her books and how they did operations and being asked to do things differently thinking hey this we're a business like anybody else we got to survive here and didn't really trust that they were gonna get taken care of but she's there now ten years later saying this is how you do it and everybody is working together and they're they didn't raise taxes locally they yeah the money thing was not a thing right
0: you're absolutely right. They yeah. got a, you've got agreement. The resource of the money is not the issue. Yeah, I was struck by, you know, the, the I mean the people that we met, everybody from, you know, Bob Yuri. We, we interviewed Bob Yuri, who was the, 30 years the head of the downtown business association for the city of Houston. Right. So you're talking about Exxon Mobil and you know the Bush family and yeah, you know money. the Houston Astros and I mean it's this is a the, all, yeah. yeah this is this is a guy who was I couldn't. I couldn't believe how just humble and great he was right he and was with but time. he
1: looked I mean he looked like a fortune 500 uh, kind of executive
0: absolutely and then yeah. you know we he and Tao who is the service provider who right. they said when they met they weren't really didn't trust right. each other asked to do the the interview together I mean we asked right. them if they'd do it together and I'm like absolutely they're like best friends now you know like they they've been through so many wars in those 10 years and, and it yeah. was not easy yeah but you get a sense. I got a sense walking away with that the, the maturity of the people that are that are that are in charge of each key piece of that right. that we got a chance to meet everyone from Mayor Parker to Mark Eichenbaum, who is an amazing guy, he was amazing. an amazing yeah, he's guy the right who works person for the mayor for the mayor and, now, who is yeah. also paid for, even though he works inside of City Hall for the mayor, paid for by the by by the, the business community and the endowments. Yeah. yeah, the endowments and the business community pay for these key people that do it um, all the way down to the to the uh, You know, the people that are at at the beacon, which is an amazing kind of Uh, Episcopal mission, giving us a tour through that and how they handle stuff and have done it. Um, They were all very proud to show off what they've had because they know they have something, don't you think? Uh, I I was struck by like how much access we got from, you know, just asking. And we're going to what we do, but sometimes you don't get that. I think they're
1: just so proud of what they've done. They want to share it. They want it to be everywhere. Rightly so. And it's an issue... You know, the homelessness doesn't stop at your own border. So I think they Mm -hmm. actually feel somewhat encumbered. Same here as it is there. Right. And so, but the blueprint is there. I mean, ultimately, Spokane's going to do it the way they do it and in their own way. But the basic elements are no different than any large project that's ever succeeded in this community, whether it's Expo or even things like HoopFest or even, I, I wasn't there in a front row seat, but, you know, GU basketball. It comes with people coming together around a vision believing that they can be the best and so you got that with you know you got that with bloomsday with hoop fest with the spokane park system the new medical school that's the new new medical school yeah you've got it all kind all places it's been all, done and, a lot Expo here. Is just a shiny example of that you know but cleaning up the river some of the inside baseball stuff that's gone right in the community it's always the same way where you have a vision and a shared vision and then you have people believing they can do it and then taking the steps in a collaborative way really you know kind of letting the guard down and not being territorial so what would happen with homelessness is you'd have to have the business community doing that you know coming into it and they are Hello for Good and working with Washington Trust and exactly other institutions right. they've already gathered more than 100 yep. organizations so that we'll business, be featuring them
0: in an, an upcoming episode as well
1: yeah they're they're on board business is there knocking on the door big big piece yeah, we
0: learned that in Houston. They have to be at the table, or nothing gets done.
1: Absolutely. And then the you know the private money, the foundations, and others, and I think we can absolutely and the service count providers, the amazing
0: nonprofits that are in this town that do incredible work, yep. the Catholic charities all, of the world, all of that, all and of that. The they they are providers. in there. They're in there already doing that stuff, and and honestly need help.
1: Yeah, and Frank, you know, just back to the money because I think people are always in that zone, but when you add it up and they could add it up a lot of ways, but they came up with something seventeen thousand something per year for people that are housed and have wraparound Correct. services. I will never
0: forget that. Tau cost is so like what's a yeah. cost here? You yeah. know, to to actually have a homeless population. Yeah. And and the way she described it was for every person that is homeless, every year we as a community pay ninety six thousand dollars per person.
1: Right. And it's a lot of different buckets. It's a
0: lot of different buckets. But police, Adam, fire, yeah. emergency room visits, you yeah. name it. You all name of it the up. all of the trouble that is caused by someone who's living on the street, yeah. right? They equated it ninety six thousand dollars per yeah, year. Yeah, and
1: some people come up with lower numbers, but even but if, if they're they say housed only forty thousand. Okay. okay,
0: but if they're housed with services, with wraparound services, which means we're going to help you if money's available to you, we're going to help you find it. If healthcare is needed, we're going to help you get it you know just the basic things in life with the services around and a house it's $17,000 a year yeah so uh, which is why I think Or an apartment, you
1: know, with but a roof. A and roof. A, a, yeah, and a, place a place to not live. Correct. A place to live. Not a shelter. Not, not a, a shelter. Yeah. We're not, talking a true place to live. Not a navigation you, center. Right.
0: An actual this is more I live. This is my house. Yes. Yeah, so this it's is my, my roof. Way it's it is cheaper. And and that was the thing we kept hearing over and over again is you can't afford not to do this. Can't afford not to do it. Which is why I think it was really important for you, for, for, uh, for me to have you here because you're the money guy,
1: (laughs) you know, and the finances have to stack up. And it's funny, you, you know, it's, it is a, a heated issue because a lot of people, you know, when we say wraparound services, we know we're talking about addiction. We're talking about mental illness, schizophrenia, you name it. And in some cases, some of these people can work, but a lot of them actually can't. And right. they might have guardians and they might have people making decisions for them. They might live with, you know, full-time well, and, and care. And when we
0: were a kid, they were at Eastern state hospital, many yeah. of them that, was, that now, you know, doesn't have room for them.
1: Yeah. There's nothing new in that regard, but certainly there are new things. I mean, we know that drugs are different. Absolutely. We know the social conditions, the cost of housing. There's a lot of things driving this, but what the lack s- of affordable, lack of I mean, housing lack period. Yeah, right. I mean, there's just no, a, yeah. there's no
0: place to live here.
1: Right. But it, so it, and so, again, you have, you know, one of the other things that has to come into the system is actually you take a look at the zoning and you take a look at the planning and you take a look at how we're funding, you know, the housing situation. And it's, I've never thought of a project or seen a project that requires more collaboration. This one's, this is the granddaddy of them all. This makes Expo look small and all those other, you know, accomplishments the city's engaged in look small, but it's the same blueprint we can do this and it it can be done and the debate actually isn't really a real debate because some people think you know these are you know just covering the ranch some people think these are lazy unaccountable people making bad decisions and they deserve what they get but they would also agree that it's tearing our city apart
0: there is a better way here we're We're not we'll have to do it our way but and to
1: our credit, I mean, no other cities are really doing it. There's only a oh co- no, no no yeah. yeah I mean, there's a few is, cities. That and there's are moving problems that everywhere. I know yeah. there are
0: people that live in this town that think, "Oh, this is the only place this is happening." Believe oh, me, holy and, please. This is. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's, it's happening everywhere. Sell, but, I mean, go to Missoula. This is happening. This is happening in lots of places.
1: But I have no doubt, Frank, that I, because of the kind of community we are, in, we're kind of centrist, like Houston, you know, we, we, you know, we're we're. We're kind of centrist, yep. you know. Yep. We're we're kind of what a lot of people remember 50 years ago. Where almost everybody can still talk to yeah. everybody.
0: City and the county, yeah similar.
1: Yeah, there's hard. You know, can any of us really, despite a lot of the antagonism in politics right now, can any of us really think of people in our own community that we couldn't sit down and enjoy well, I, a great meal? And with? that's
0: the thing about it. Like, you know, this is a big small town still. It's still You, know, you still know all the people. I mean, there's still a lot of people that you're gonna run across. And you I know think it's a Goldilocks
1: are. community, and in that sense, it's you know, it's it's not too big. It's not too small it's not too hot or cold but the reality of it is this yeah. is
0: getting bigger yep because everybody's found it and it's not going to stop and it improves us to do it even more because this is the population is just going to increase here and that need for housing is going to increase even more
1: well i didn't frank i didn't see anything in houston i i saw a million things that impressed me by how they were doing it but i didn't see a single thing that they were doing down there that i am not absolutely certain that we could do and even do better i really believe i that think you're right in a short period, of, you know, not real short. I mean, we need to start the process and get rolling, but in, after a period of time, I honestly believe Spokane could and should be the city that people are having podcasts in other cities saying, hey, if Spokane can do that incredible job and have all these beneficial outcomes and have you know all the economic outcomes. I mean, again, if people aren't compelled by this topic for the social reasons, they can take your pick. There's just so many reasons. to Take this up. And everybody has their own reasons. I mean, some people may just be sick of seeing homelessness on the downtown streets or in their I think, own neighborhood. I think everyone is. Everybody is. And that and, may be the only including reason. Including the people that live there. To, yeah, right. And then other people might be really wrapped around the social reasons, like they, you know, they feel a deep sympathy or whatever it may be. Uh, it may be purely economic. It may be purely self-interest. But take your pick. Every one of those are good reasons to solve this problem, and I just hope people can believe we can do it because it's it's like a lot of things. It's like <laughs> Wizard of Oz or whatever. If we believe we can do it, we can do it.
0: Well, thank you for doing this. Appreciate
1: it. Yeah. Cheers. What a pleasure. We'll come back
0: and uh, have another one of these and see where we are in a year. So hopefully we'll we'll solve this.
1: We'll uh, we'll have a different conversation. Hopefully, we will. Better one.
0: Thank you, Gavin Cooley. Thank you. Appreciate Frank it. Smota. All right. <laughs> MIP Podcast was filmed at the studio of Corner Booth Media. Please sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere podcasts can be found. We'd love it if you'd rate, review, and subscribe to help our podcasts grow. Be good to yourself and stay interesting.